Hello, children of God. Welcome back to Marie Speaks God's Grace Bible Study. Today we're going to be going over Numbers chapter 23. Evil cannot curse what and who the Lord our God has blessed. For it is written in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's beautiful name. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to this Bible study for many unreasons. As we, some of us, I should say, are looking around today with the things going on in the world the last couple of years, I've noticed there's a huge spirit of fear. I've noticed there's a huge spirit of doubt, a huge spirit of I don't know if the correct word would be ignorance or compliance. Compliance would probably be um, willful compliance, but not to the things that are yearning of God or leaning towards God. It's the complete other way. And I feel if we would just concentrate on the words that our Father in Heaven told His disciples of old, His prophets of old, His people of old, then we wouldn't be under this spirit of fear which we were in Yeshua's great name. We wouldn't be under this spirit of doubt, worry, concern, anxiety, depression. Lord, we rebuke those evil demonic spirits. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's beautiful name. If we picked up our Bible, focused on what God says, I believe we would have that peace that our Jesus says to have. He said, don't worry when you see these these things because it has to come to pass. Throughout the Bible, God says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. When has God ever let any of us down? When has God ever not come through for us? When has God not ever corrected us in a loving, caring manner and lifted us up, cradled us in his beautiful, wonderful arms? When did God ever stop being our source? The answer is never. God never stopped and he never will stop. It's up to us not to stop as well. And if we have took a moment and we took a pause, it's up to us to reignite that beautiful Holy Spirit deep within us and go and reach for the garment of our Jesus. So we, hallelujah, can surprise our Savior with our faith and pull pull that beautiful power, that beautiful healing, that beautiful restoration, that beautiful redemption right out of our Savior. Amen. Clothe us in His majesty. Let's pray. Father God, in the blessed name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our wonderful, merciful Lord and Savior, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, our counselor, our chief physician, he who has always loved us, he who paid the highest cost for all of us so that we might be saved. Lord, thank you for being with us and watching over us. Father God, thank you for your presence in our life. Thank you that your words are true yesterday, today, and tomorrow, always. Thank you, Lord, that If any time we are ever doubting or ever concerned, we could just turn to you at any point, wherever we are, in the car, in the elevator, in a park, walking down the street, in times of concern, in times of woe, Lord, that we could just come to you and say, Abba, 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 and continue the conversation on from there. And you are more than willing to hear from us, Lord. Thank you so very much for this, God. Thank you that you are always with us. 
thank you that you have always guided us, Father. We just pray to be more leaning on you. We pray to have more courage to take that first step to seek these matters out and not just merely trust what we're being shown wherever we're being shown, whatever we're being shown. We pray that we come to you, Lord, and we seek you and your wisdom, seek your counsel, seek your word, seek your presence, your truth in our life. And in this, we will be made free. We pray this all in the mighty name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruha Kadesh, and sealed with the blood of Christ. Amen and amen. Praise be to the living God. Alright, children of God, welcome back to Marie Speaks God's Grace Bible Study. Before we get started, let's go over our usual. Amen. Today we're going to be going over Numbers chapter 23. Evil cannot curse what the Lord our God has blessed, for it is written. Amen. Now what you see on the screen before you is our website, mariespeaksgodsgrace.live, because we serve a living God. As you go to our season four blog page, you will see all the blogs that we have posted for this season so far, and our latest one. If you wanna keep up to date with us on all our social media posts, our main social media page is minds.com, mariespeaksgodsgracebiblestudy. Now, we share on here just what's interesting to us, who I like to learn from, who I like to listen to, maybe some interesting documentaries I was watching, or maybe some motivating videos. I like to just share what I feel is on my heart and what I find interesting, not only because it's fun to share with others, let's be honest, but when God leads us to share, I believe it is our duty to share. It's a command from our Father. So I hope others come and check it out if you would like. Yes, we still are on so many other social media pages. And soon, as soon as our number comes up, we will be on Truth Social as well. Um, uh, yes, and that is that. All right. So going over to our website, mariespeaksgodsgrace.live, let's click on our season four blog page. As you scroll down, you will see our link where you could click to listen to us on Spotify if that's what you would like. We post our audio to our blog on there from the, from the blog. And then after we do the live Bible study, we'll post the audio to, or from, as. <laughs> from the live Bible study. Let me put this on so I don't make everybody dizzy and scroll down to the beginning of our Bible study. Here at Marie Speaks God's Grace, we go over the historical part of the Bible study, then the biblical part of the Bible study, and then we end with a spiritual teaching reading out of the Bloomstone Torah. I feel like our Father in Heaven has directed us to do great research in sharing and helping equip, especially the new beginning Christians who don't know how to research, who haven't learned how to research, who haven't learned how to search a matter out, but we like to provide sources. So we help, we help um, create, hopefully in Jesus name, well-informed and assertive and intentional other Bible studies. If you get something out of this Bible study, by the way of God, amen. That is our goal, to lead souls to Christ. I believe also our other goal is, what God has said is to help others learn how to study his word and make it credible rather than just others thinking, I came up on this on my own. That isn't how it happens. 
All wisdom, knowledge, and discernment comes from the Holy Spirit, which is from the Lord our God. Amen and amen. All right. Moving forward. Um, to see the historical part on um, for this Bible study, you're going to have to go to uh, the blog post for chapter 22, which has all those live links in that blog. So we are gonna fast forward to Richard's complete Bible handbook, and we are gonna read regarding this portion of Numbers chapter 23. And it says, Balaam's first oracle. Balaam directs the king to make sacrifices promising to tell him whatever the Lord reveals in response. The message is disappointing. God refuses to curse Israel and instead actually blesses them. William Albright is best known of biblical archaeologists, has discovered that the poetic structure of Balaam's oracles is ancient, appropriate to the 13th century BC. The second oracle, Belak, is determined to try again and company, and the company moves to another vantage point from which a different part of Israelites' camp can be seen. But again, the message is one of a blessing. Balaam is forced to report, the Lord their God is with them. There is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. And that is very important because some versions of the Bible say there's no sorcery in and no divination against. And there's also different versions of the Bible saying there is no evil in or on. And it changes the words up. So I believe if we stay true to the word of God and go to um, our oldest versions of the Bible. Actually, let me get my King James. I have a authorized 1611 King James version of the Bible. And I should have done this before. Let me check. But I don't like it when certain versions of the Bible twist and change um what God said. If God said on, he means on. If God said in, it means in. Saying all these ins and and changing them to something that God didn't say is something that we're not supposed to do, right? God said, do not take from or add to my word. So in this version of the King James, the 1611, it says, Balak said unto him, come I, excuse me, Come, I pray thee, come with me to another place from which thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and thou shalt not see them all. And curse them from for me from thence. And he brought them. Let's fast forward. And Balaam says, here we go. He took the parable, the Lord our God. There is, surely there is no. So how this version or other versions of the Bible say on or in, we need to pay close attention to this because when these words are twisted and turned around, it is perverting the word of God. And we need to be fully aware of what's going on. Because later when it's on or in the hand, we want to know what's going on, right? Amen. But let me get the handbook. Excuse me. So I can continue reading from. Uh, yes. The Bible study book. All right. The third oracle. They moved to another location. Seven altars and sacrifices were prepared. Balak still hopes God will permit Balaam to curse Israel. But again, the seer is forced to announce a blessing. One coming back to the Abrahamic covenant. And he said, May those who bless you be blessed, and those who cursed you be cursed. Furious Balak banishes Balaam to his house. Amen. So, I pray others, when you get a chance, 
try to compare these versions of the Bible so we can be more aware. Let me get, sorry, I was looking for my parallel Bible. Got it. So we can be more aware of what's going on and how the evil ones are trying to deceive us by removing and changing and taking out um, the words of God. Because I have um, the parallel between King James, Modern Language, Living Bible, and Revised Standard. And the ones that are closest to each other are the King James and the Revised Standard. But I'm telling you right now, some Bibles say some crazy things that are completely not of God. Amen and amen. All right. So let's continue moving on. Here we go. Um, Uh-oh. Did I do that? There we go. All right. So Edmund's Handbook to the Bible. You can review that on the last Bible study. That is on there as well. Numbers chapter 22. So let's go into the biblical part of the Bible study where I will be reading the Bible verses out of the 1560 edition of the Bible. Um, that's the version I study out of. That's the version I believe the Lord our God has led us to. But of course, please study whichever version of the Bible that you feel most comfortable with. Let's pray. Father God, in the blessed name of our Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord, our Christ, Emmanuel, for God is forever and always with us. Thank you for your leading and your guiding. Thank you for your presence with us and on us during this Bible study and everywhere that we go. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for strengthening us. And thank you for reading us for each and every day. We pray this on the mighty name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Kadesh, and sealed with the blood of Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. <laughs> All right. Numbers chapter 23, verse 1. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me seven altars, and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam said. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stay here by the burnt offering, and I will go. If so be that, the Lord will come and meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. So that he went forth, forth alone. So God often shows us things through signs and wonders. He even communicates to us in numbers, right? And I'm not talking numerology where you rely on a number for a showing or for a wonder. No, this is relying on God and then God sends us his signs and his wonders and his showings and his parables. Amen. How do we know this is part of God's language? Let's go into a couple of Bible verses and then, or go into a couple of sources and then we will lead into the Bible verses so all of us have a good idea of some of the languages of God, which is numbers. Let's take a look at the number seven. When we last left off in the last Bible study, Balak, Balaam had told Balak, set up seven altars with these seven offerings and we are going to do offerings to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob according to what the Lord our God, the great I Am, says to do. Traditionally, we went over this, how Balaam was a sorcerer, he was a seer, he was a witch and a warlock, which we rebuke in Yeshua's great name. So what he would do is use sorcery things. He would use his amulets. He would use his crystal balls. He would use his cauldrons. Yes, those are real things. Even back then, they had their little witchy coochie. Uh, Ouija boards and their little water gazing and grave soaking and all that stuff. That's what they did, right? But Balaam, um, some sources say that he used to be a priest of the Most High God and then he turned to evil because the love of money rottened him. Some also say that being a sorcerer, a witch, and a warlock, 
Of course, he wants to know who he feels his enemies are, so he studied what the Lord our God um, commanded his people to. But um, what I believe is, since he is a Midianite, and then he is said to be a descendant from um, the Jephro clan, which is the father-in-law to Moses, but he descends he descends from an unrighteous branch from that clan. I believe it is possible that he was somehow a priest, a high priest, but a dark high priest. And he most likely studied who he felt his enemies were. Maybe he was good at one time, maybe he wasn't. But where he is now, he is evil. I was actually reading um, another source of... Uh, a Wyclef Bible commentary on this chapter. And it was saying that Balaam was something like, uh, I forget the name, my Lord. Oh, the Simon. Thank you, Father God. You are so merciful and good. The evil Simon, that witch in Acts who wanted to purchase or buy the Holy Spirit. And then he was rebuked by the apostles um, in the book of Acts. Balaam is something similar like that, but in reverse. So the witch in Acts um, wanted to use sorcery for the whole, the spirit and to incorporate sorcery with the Holy Spirit. Whereas Balaam was using the Holy Spirit, wanted to use the Holy Spirit with sorcery. They're both the same thing, but one came before the other. The witch was always a witch in the book of Acts, but Balaam before was a priest of God and then turned evil. That's what many believe. I'm just giving a couple options. Can always ask God and search that matter out. Let me take a sip of tea. Excuse me. Excuse me. But let's continue. So let's talk about the number seven. We have talked about numbers before, but I just want a brief review. Um, since we have, we do have a lot of new members to the family. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Loving Jesus all day long. Um, so numerology is the belief in a divine mystical relationship between number and the one or more conjoinciding events. It is also the study of a numerical value of the letters in words, names, and ideas. It is often associated with the paranormal. See, this is where it goes, witchy uchi coochie, which we're not supposed to do, right? Because children of the most high, ever-loving, living God, we don't do that necromancy stuff. We don't talk to the dead. We don't pray to the dead. We don't worship the dead. We don't leave food for the dead. We don't serve anyone but the great I am. For it is written in his and commanded in his commandments. Do not serve the other gods. Don't make images of those in the heavens, on the earth, or in the waters below, or in the caves, or wherever. Don't put up statues and, and little minions and little things of your dead loved ones. Don't tattoo them on you. You're not supposed to serve him like the heathens serve their god of death the lord our god says this right all right so god can speak through us through numbers but where it comes in to being evil is how the evil witches use it or the sorcerers or whoever right and then they make this idolization out of the object as a tool for evil so let's continue reading all right so normally they use numerology along with paranoia paran yes paranoia <laughs> paranormal alongside with astrology and it is similar to divinology arts as explained in weeklypedia.com that numerology is witchcraft what we are talking about is his other language, our God's other language, the language of the great I am, which is mathematical. You And it is code. You cannot deny that God is a spirit. He is energy. And there is a mathematical code to it. And he uses this code to help direct, lead, and guide his children 
and he will use that numerology or numbers to give us a parable, so to speak. For example, the number four. The number four means appointed place and time, among other things, but traditionally it points to you are where you're supposed to be for a period of time, and it is all coming together because it is two plus two equals four, right? So as Christians, we could use that as a way to go to God and say, God, I keep seeing the number four. What is coming together? What is this appointed time? Where are you leading and guiding me? Now, what witches, sorcerers, and warlocks would use it for, I don't know because I'm not a witch, a sorcerer, or a warlock, but I do know this. They wouldn't go to God for their counsel and for their affirmations or for their direction in anything. They would go to their witchy uchi coochie stuff with their uh, superstitions and their sorcery, and that's what they would rely on. That's a huge difference as well. But let's continue. A good link I found that confirms God's word and that he speaks to his children in signs and wonders of the gospel is a couple of verses we will read. Acts chapter 8 verse 13. Even Simon himself believed and after was baptized. Now this is the evil Simon, the witch Simon, right? And was baptized and he continued on with Philip and he observed signs and great miracles taking place and he was constantly amazed. He was so amazed he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit, which he could not do, right? All right, let's continue. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. These signs will accompany those who believed in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, those who, there's actually a, um, a scientific study I heard, I heard or read about in a documentary a while ago. And spiritual tongues was actually scientifically studied. And I thought it was awesome. And it was actually a peer-reviewed study. So if you love reading studies and all that stuff, please go check it out. And they were actually able to see the rhythm mathematically and with numbers. Um how there was a rhythm to speaking in heavenly spiritual tongues. There was also a demonic uh, rhythm to satanic um, in evil tongues. And there was um, nothing when people were just pretending and they were just speaking gibberish. Um, so there is a way to tell the difference. What I have seen is when people are uh, speaking in spiritual tongues, from what I can see, it's unique to their relationship with God. I have seen people or heard of people speak in spiritual tongues um, with clicking sounds. I have heard people speak in spiritual tongues and it sounds um, somewhat like a Native American language that I have heard through songs. And then I have heard people speak in spiritual tongues where it sounded like it was Italian or French or something like that. So um, there are different types of spiritual tongues. The difference is the source of the spiritual tongues. And you will know the source from the spiritual tongues from the person who is speaking those spiritual tongues. Are they a man or a woman of God? Or are they someone who isn't right with God? Well, how can we tell? The word of God says you will know them by their fruits. You will know who serves the great I am. And if at any time we have any questions, we are to ask if the spirit can declare that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. If that spirit speaking the spiritual tongues or the person speaking the spiritual tongues or where when you ask God and you speak the um, when you say Jesus Christ came in the flesh over yourself, God, what I have experienced, God will send his beautiful Spirit of discernment and wisdom, not suspicion, okay, of wisdom and discernment, and he will give us an answer. You will get a feeling what to stay from, away from and what you are drawn to. Amen? Amen. All right, let's continue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, so then tongues are a sign, not of those who believe, but to the unbelievers. 
spiritual tongues is a sign. But prophecy for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. And prophecies can be done in two ways. Sometimes God will tell someone straight, plain, and clear. And sometimes, like we're going to hear, <coughs> excuse me, in this chapter, God will speak through a prophet or whoever his source is. Um, and he will use signs and wonders or parables, just like our Jesus said, right? Jesus was sitting with his disciples and they said, Lord, why do you speak in parables to them, but you say it plain and clear to us? And Jesus told his disciples, to you, the king keys to the kingdom of heaven have been given, but to them, it hasn't been given. So that's why I speak in spiritual tongues to them. Because if you have ears to hear, you will hear what Jesus is saying plain and clear. Plain and clear. You won't hear a parable. But to those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit and who are not um, truly in love with Jesus and who have fully accepted him as his Savior, everything will sound like a confusing parable and it won't make sense. That's just the way it is. Now, I'm not saying you can't love Jesus and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm saying first, for everything, you have to fully give yourself over to Jesus. Maybe you're someone who is blocked and you don't receive the Holy Spirit because for whatever reason, maybe you're scared, maybe you don't want to go that in depth, maybe, um, I mean, there could be such a variety of reasons, but... It doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. Your fruits will show you if you have truly accepted Jesus Christ in your life. What are your fruits? The way you live your life, the way you treat others. Do you go by the word of God or are you a biased, hypocritical person? Are you a gossip? Are you a slanderer? You know, are you a hateful, lying, deceitful person? Are you evil? Are you cutting corners? Are you just non-complacent and lazy and a sloth? and let your kids run around wild and you don't correct them, which is a sin against God. Are you cheating on your spouse? Are you abusing your spouse? Are you cheating on your taxes? Are you showing up to work late or not at all? You see what I mean? Are you taking advantage of the weak, of the poor, of the needy? Is that you? Well then, you probably haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your wonderful Lord and Savior. But if you have, you will hate evil. You will not want to do evil. You will feel convicted when you do something against God, the spirit of conviction, which is part of the Holy Spirit, which will lead you to correction. And God corrects all those who he loves. Amen and amen. Let's continue reading. The last verse, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. And God also testifies with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Now, a lot of what these witches and sorcerers and all these diviners and these who work for the kingdom of darkness, which we were booking Yeshua's great name, they attempt to bend others to their will. That's why witchcraft... Um, at the lowest pathetic level, and I do mean pathetic because it is disgusting, it is a controlling, manipulating spirit. If you know someone who is trying to control you all the time, trying to constantly put you down, trying to belittle you, trying to discredit you, maybe they're a compulsive liar, that is a part of their witchcraft spirit, 100%. Because all of those things are against God and it is about trickery and cunning just like the serpent did to Eve in the garden, right? When the serpent said, did God really say? Amen. That's why us as Christians, Jesus said, let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. We are to speak the truth. We are to lean and ask God to guide our tongues and our behavior and our mind. If we are loving God with our full heart, our full mind, our full spirit, and our full soul and all our might, we will not be doing the things that the heathens do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's continue. 
The meaning of numbers, the number seven. Oh, excuse me, drinking some tea. Praise Yahweh now and forever. The number seven is used 735 times, 54 times in the book of Revelations alone. The number seven is the foundation of God's word. If we include this count, how many times sevenfold and seveneth is used our jumps, um, our total jumps to 860 references. Excuse me, sorry. I think my alarm's going off, sorry, hold on. Sorry about that. So if we include those in the um, numbers of counting, it is 860 times references. Seven is the number of completeness and perfection, both physical and spiritual. Remember, we live in two worlds. We are, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience here on this earthly plane. But when our Jesus Christ, our wonderful Lord and Savior, comes again for us, we will be with him in spirit and in truth. That's why we are required to speak with God, love God, dwell with God in spirit and in truth, and speak in spirit with God as many times as possible. It derives much of its meaning from being tied directly to God creation of all things. According to some Jewish tradition, the creation of Adam occurred on September 26, 3760 BC, or the first day of, I'm going to say this, excuse me if I don't say it correctly, Tishuri, sorry, which is the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. The word the word created is used seven times describing God's creative work. There are seven days in a week. God's Sabbath is on the seventh day, which is Friday evening to Saturday evening. The Bible of a whole was originally divided into seven major divisions. Yes, it was. There are the law, the prophets, the writing or psalms, the gospel and acts, the genial epistles, the epistles of Paul, and the book of Revelations. The total number of original inspired books was 49 or 7 times 7, demonstrating the absolute perfection of the word of God. Now, I say different. I believe they were more books in the Bible. I believe... And what John said about Jesus, that there were so many books written about our Lord and Savior, about him coming, about him being here, about him coming back, that if they were still here and not burnt up wherever, because you know that's what the evil ones do, they're still trying to do it to this day, these books would fill up the whole earth. I believe this 100%. But let's continue reading. Numbers chapter 23, verse 4 through 6. And God met Balaam, and Balaam said unto God, I have prepared seven altars. I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put an answer in Balaam's mouth and said, Go again to Balak and say on this wise, wise saying, meaning God is going to put his wisdom, his breath of wisdom into Balak's mouth, and he is going to speak a parable to the king Balak. Amen? All right. So when he returned unto him, lo, he stood by the burnt offering, and he and all his princes of Moab. So Balak and all the princes of Moab are standing by the burnt offering. Now, if we remember correctly, which I believe we do, when God was telling uh, the Levites and the Kohanim, regarding the offering uh, when the offering is being burned they're not supposed to be standing anywhere near it they're supposed to be observing it they're supposed to be doing their chanting their prayers um, their meditations their songs and their dances for God but only a future offering or the one putting the offering 
is going supposed to be near it. So this is a prophetic uh, Bible verse where it says, when he returned, meaning Balaam, when Balaam returned, uh, King Balak and his princes of Moab, which are his other evil sorcerers, his their other workers of iniquity, um, they're standing near the burnt offering. And this is a pro prophetic symbol that uh, the king Balak and the evil princes will be delivered into the hands of Israel. Now, sometimes when we read God's words, um, there is a spiritual hallelujah meaning behind them and a symbolism behind it. Why? Because God speaks to us in signs and wonders. Let's keep it moving. So let's look at the definition of parable. He puts another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man look and sow it in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in the branches. And this is the parable that our Jesus spoke to his disciples. Now, they were asking Jesus, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Lord, what is the kingdom of heaven like? When Jesus is speaking in parables, sometimes he spoke to his disciples in parables, but more often than not, he spoke to the masses in parables. I believe Jesus did this so he could see who had ears to hear and eyes to see. Some of us, when we read in the word of God a parable, we can see it, right? Because we have eyes to see into the spiritual realm of what the Lord our God is showing us. We are that connected to our Father. Now, I'm not throwing any shade. Please don't take it that way. It's your investment in Christ. If you have invested your heart, your mind, your eyes, your soul in Christ, you will see into the spiritual realm. Marie, how do I invest my eyes, my spirit, my mind, my soul, my body into Christ? I'm glad you asked. That is a great question. If a person wants to invest their eyes in Christ, stop watching things that are not of Christ. Easiest way. 100% easiest way. Why? Because the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord our God, hallelujah, thank you, Father, will not dwell, will not remain among something evil. Amen. If you want God's beautiful Holy Spirit to go into your eyes so you can see the mind of God, then we need to stop watching things that are filthy and disgusting and repulse the Holy Spirit. To keep it biblical, something that is an abomination unto us, an abomination unto God. Amen. If you want to hear um, God's beautiful mind speaking to us, you need to not listen to filth. That includes movies, shows, music, or filthy, disgusting conversations. If you want to speak what the Lord our God's mind can speak through you, you need to not be bias be uh evil gossiper be a slanderer be a hateful speaker speaking lies speaking deception amen if you want to be someone that god will use but marie god is using balaam right here 100 he is now how can this happen God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And God will use who he wants to use. He is not a respecter of person. It is not up to us to question how God chooses to use his will. For it is his will and his will alone. 100%. But I believe the reason why God used Balaam right here. It's the same way like God used a donkey to talk and open its mouth to speak. Amen. I believe that was very prophetic that God allowed a donkey to speak with a donkey riding on a donkey. You know what I'm trying to say, right? All right. So I believe it's the same way 
When God wants to get his message across, he will use who he wants to use it. Amen and amen. All right, let's keep reading. The definition of parables. What is a parable? In short, it is simply a, a simple story to provide more profound lesson or teaching. From a divine wisdom of Christ, we can learn transcendent, everlasting truths in simple parables of the Bible. I love parables of the Bible. Another definition of parable. In general, definition of parable is simply a story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Miriam Webster gives a following definition of parable, a usual short fictitious story that illustrates a moral attitude or religious principle. Furthermore, Miriam Webster provides the etymology of the English word parable by saying, parables come to us via Anglo-French from the late Latin word parabola, bola, which is in turn comes from the Greek parabole, meaning comparison. The word parabola may look familiar if you remember your geo, ge, geometry. The mathematical parabola refers to a kind of comparison between a fixed point and a straight line resulting in a parabolic curve. God speaks to us in signs and wonders, and yes, one of the signs and wonders that God uses is math in the form of a parable drawing a straight line and a fixed point to a parabolic curve. Now, this is not numerology in that witchy stuff. No, that is manipulation. God is truth. Amen? Let's continue reading. Parables, however, descend from the late Latin language serves the writers 3rd to 6th centuries. The late Latin term parabola referred to a verbal comparison. It is essentially meant an allegory or a speech. I don't believe that, but that's what they say. Parables are more moral where an allegory or a speech can be used to manipulate. That is just my belief um, in what I feel when I read a par parable vices when I read a speech or an allegory. Allegories and speeches, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, depending on the source, are used to manipulate a crowd or person into how the speaker wants to lead them. For example, we see a lot of evil people on stage or, you know, that are famous and some of their speeches or their little allegories are used to manipulate the masses. We can see it now. It is vile. It is disgusting. It is sorcery and witchcraft. If you want to see the mind of Christ, stop watching them. If you want to hear the mind of Christ, stop listening to them. Stop throwing your money at them because you're cursing yourself. It's very sad. Mm. <sighs> All right. So let's continue. Bible meanings of parables. In the Bible, Jesus teaches his disciples and followers by using parables among other methods. Parables were a way to convey moral and transcendent principles in an allegorical story that people could understand and relate to. A parable is a teaching method used in the familiar to illustrate unfamiliar concepts. It is a story or saying that demonstrates truth using comparison, hyperbole, or simile. So let's continue. You all can read that um, later if you would like, but I like this one. According to crosswalk.com's parables can also represent a picture in a story. This type is called a single parable and the examples are the lost sheep and the lost coin. 
There are other types of parables, like a narrative parable, which is, is a dramatic story with one or more scenes as to display in the Good Samaritan. Though the parables of Christ, we through the parables of Christ, we learn the importance of accountability for our thoughts, our actions, and our motives. Amen. Whereas, in my opinion, when someone is speaking a speech or an allegory, they are trying to manipulate someone's thoughts, their actions, into their motives. You see what I mean? When Jesus does something or God tells us a parable, it is based off his loving relationship with us. When someone tries to manipulate us, it is through their witchcraft relationship with the devil, which we rebuke in Yeshua's great name. That's just what I believe, but we can always go to God and confirm. Now that we have a definition, or several <laughs> definitions of parable, we can read the following verse with maybe a bit more understanding of the process taking place both spiritually and naturally. Then he uttered a parable, meaning ba Balaam uttered this parable and said, Balak, king of Moab, has brought me from Aram out to the mountains of the east, saying, Come curse Jacob for me, for my sake, come and detest Israel. Now who is Jacob and who is Israel? Jacob is us before we came to Christ. Oh yes, Israel is us after we have become a new wineskin in new wine and we are doing our best. We are not perfect. We are not perfect, but we are doing our best to serve and love the Lord. Love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and all our might and try to do our best to love our neighbor as ourselves. Some of us don't love ourselves too well and you need to get right with Jesus because when you love yourself right, you will love your brothers and sisters Christ right. Amen in Jesus' name. If you don't love yourself right, you, as you have a bruised mind, you have a bruised ego, and we've talked about this in the Bible study before, those who have bruises, hurts, and wounds have foggy lenses. They don't see the world correctly. They come from a missided concept and it's very sad. Like Bala. He is very biased, right? He is very greedy. He is very thirsty. He is very delusional thinking God was going to change his mind and somehow all of a sudden just decide that he wants to curse Israel. Despite, excuse me, drinking tea, despite God saying, no, 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 those are my chosen people. I will bless who I bless and curse who I curse. Amen. Let's continue. So Mo Moab has brought me from Aram to the mountains of the east saying, come curse Jacob for my sake and come detest Israel. How shall I curse where God has not cursed? How shall I detest where the Lord has not detest? For the top of the rocks did I see him, and from the hills did I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell by themselves and shall not be reckoned among the nations. They can tell the dust of Jacob and the numbered of the fourth part of Israel. Let me die the death of righteous and let my last end be like this now this last sentence right here let me die the death of righteous and let my last end be like this um many of the scholars say that is a bellum excuse me bellum seeing that soon moses is going to pass away and he's seeing how peaceful uh moses passing is and he wants that type of end. But it's, it is, thank you, Father God. It is also a prophetic verse. At this moment right here, as God is using um, Balaam to speak his mind and blessing over the nation of Israel, the lusting, uh, deception, evil part of Balaam is thinking in his evil, disgusting heart already how he is going to try to go against this and thinking of that he's showing his god his 
showing our God, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his heart. And right here, when this happens, and it says, let my let me die the death of righteous, and let my death be an end like this. Right here, it is him knowing and God telling him as well, if you choose to do evil, you have one chance to this is your last straw. You will be put to death by a spiritual and physical death. Now, I know some might not see it, but you can always confirm with the Lord our God. Amen and amen. What is the definition of reckoned? Let's look into this. To account or to compute, to reckon a cost, to calculate, using numbers again, right? To consider as a being, regard as, to think or conclude, to expect or intend. I believe that Balaam knew this was going to be his downfall. I believe that he thought he could outwit God. Let's continue reading. What is the fourth part of Israel? I had never heard of this before. Therefore, naturally, I wanted to do some researching. Before is what I found. The links are provided um, for other others who would like to view and do their own research. Article 1. I found what was, I believe, gives many great explanations regarding Balaam and his role of being used by God to speak blessings of God's chosen nation. In the first of four oracles given by Balaam, two important prophetic aspects of the latter-day Israel is given by which we can identify them, separate and numerous. Numbers chapter 23 verse 9 says, For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. They shall not be counted among the nations. They shall not be in the numbers too. When there comes a time in the separating from um, the grain, from everything that will be bundled together and tossed into the fire, Israel, the righteous nation of God, will not be in those numbers. But also remember, Israel as a nation, they were never counted in a census like this. Because only those who are being, um, how do you say it, Lord? Only those who have abandoned, excuse me, Father God, mm, precious Jesus. Only those who have abandoned their faith in Jesus, only those who have uh, committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, those are the ones who will be counted. How do we know this? Well, from up until this time, whenever there was judgment against those who rebelled against God, right? When they were trying to kill um, Moses so many times when they were trying to kill Aaron. At the time when they were trying to have a revolt, right? Um, their numbers were counted. It said 24,000. It said 2,000 here, 8,000 here. Um, when it was at the golden calf scenario, those, I believe it was a couple of thousand there as well, were counted too. The ones who were uh, committed treason against God, the ones who committed blasphemy against God's Holy Spirit, the ones who went against God's prophets and wanted to do evil unto his people, those are the numbers that are counted. So when it says right here, they shall not be dwell alone, for the Spirit of God is always with them, they shall not be reckoned, counted among the nations that are brought to naught due to their own willful and intentional actions of going against God their whole earthly experience. I heard someone say once, and I can't remember the name, and um, this snotty little college student said, why should I love a God who wants to send me to hell? And I just, I wish I could remember his name. He's a professor. He always goes to colleges and he speaks. And he said, well, if you spend your whole time on earth hating and running from God, why would you want to be in heaven with him? I was like, oh, that's a good one. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> Anyhow, it's true. If individuals 
having their spiritual experience here on earth choose their whole earthly experience to go against the Lord our God, why would they want to be in heaven with God? Right? Why would you want to be around someone who detests you detest, who you run from, who you shame, who you say evil things to, and then on top of that, you hurt his children? Why would they want to be around you? I don't think so. I wouldn't want to be around someone who was like that. Amen. I don't think anyone in a right mind would want to be around someone like that unless you have a bruised or evil mind. Those people either love being victims or love creating victims. It's very sad. We have to pray for them in Jesus' name. What does it mean? The people shall dwell alone. Israel is not separated. It's not separate dwelling alone when this prophecy is given. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 7 lists seven distinct nations who reside with the Israelites in Cana during the pre-Ethlistic era. Now, I don't like to call them Israelites. That's just me. I say the nation of Israel. Marie, why don't you like to say Israelites? Because there's Israelites now. And personally, I don't think the Israelites are the same as the nation of Israel. That is just me from what I have read. There's some uh, impersonating going on. There is some taking and stealing of names, taking and stealing of lands going on. The nation of Israel, Israel and Israelites are three different categories of people from what I can read and understand based off the word of God. One is a location, Israel.